Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Give up what? Give up their character. Mm. See, our character actually still counts. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you learn and grow in your faith. Your journey of faith is something you are absolutely on, and you're either growing or shrinking in it every single day. And we want to be part of the part, the plan for you to grow your faith every single day. And we do that through making sure you know what you believe and why you believe it, because that is one of the most important things about you and your walk of faith. So we are here to help you grow your faith each and every day here on the Salty Pastor. Twice a week we are doing it, but we are praying that you are working on your faith every single day. And so we cannot do a Salty Pastor podcast without a Salty Pastor. And we have one of my favorites, the one, the only, Pastor Harvey Friesen. Shaking salt today. Shaking salt. So, Pastor, we are still in our series all about the moral of the story, which is the parables of Jesus. And we are learning about a new one today. So talk to us, which, which uh, parable are we studying? So we're studying the parable of the persistent widow. Say that 10 times. Persistent, the persistent widow. widow. Parable of the persistent widow. Exactly. Here, so, so, and, and I, I got to, I mean, one of the biggest things about the Bible is there are so many things that are completely misunderstood. And this could be perhaps one of the most misunderstood parables mm. there are. I mean, Pastor Steve last week did a great job of helping us understand the guy that, that built the bigger barns and he kept using the word mine. He kept misunderstanding. So part of the reason why Jesus teaches in parables is because he's trying to say, you misunderstand. You're trying to make the worldly grid uh, uh how God should operate, and God does not operate in that. He has another kingdom. Hence, our whole picture for the year 2023 is that we would look at to the kingdom of God and see the big purposes of God, and, and the parables teach us that. So the persistent widow, a greatly misunderstood one, and uh, it really is about prayer and changing us, not the judge. Okay. So we're going to look at that. Today's the Bible study portion, right? The Tuesday one is the Bible study. So we're going to do this Bible study here together uh, today. So you can jump in whenever you want. You want me to go right into Yeah, let's just dive into it. I mean, I think, yeah. like you said, just understanding what these parables are really about, because I think it is really easy for people to take things out of context or put their own flavor on it that they want to believe it's about. But that's well, why we yeah. have salty and well-educated people like you to guide us through that. Well, let's just mess with you right away. Here's the thing is we keep trying to make God conform to us. And the parables teach us that we are to conform to God. And one of the greatest frustrations in your personal walk is when you don't get the results you want because you keep, and I say you, I'm pointing at you, but I'm pointing at me, is that we continue to want God to do things according to the way that we do them. Well, mm. let's look at this parable. Jesus Luke 18, we're in Luke chapter 18. I'm reading from the NIV. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. And the important part about this is that this is about prayer. This is not about uh, bugging God. This is about seeking God. Seek first his kingdom and all these things shall be added unto you. And prayer is not so much about changing God's heart. It's about being in the presence of God so he changes your heart. Okay, so this okay. is very important. This woman in this in this widow, a lot of people think that she's just nagging the judge. Mm. And she thinks, what? The only way I'm going to get his attention is I'm going to keep nagging him. And there's a piece to that that's in here because he says, I should just give her the outcome she wants, otherwise she'll come and attack me. In other words, she'll get to nagging me and she'll start throwing something at me. And there, so there's a little piece of that. But prayer is the important part. 
And, and a lot of times we misunderstand prayer because we think we're telling God what to do. And, and I would say that one of the great mistakes we make about prayer is it, Philippians chapter 4, one of the best teachings about prayer, four, chapter 4, verse 6 to 8, uh, 6 and 7, is that pray bringing your requests to God. Here's the difference. We have begun to believe that we bring God our answers and we expect him to do it. Mm. Praying my request is a lot different than me saying, this is what I want and I demand it now. Okay. One of the reasons why prayer is so ineffective is we tell God what to do. Prayer is not telling God what to do. Prayer is coming and bringing your request to God. Lord, I, and, and, and let me give you a small differentiation. One of the things that we do a lot of times is we pray for specificity around outcomes we want from God. God, I want my daughter to make the volleyball team um, this year, and I want her to be a starter on the team. And God looks at it and goes, see, that's not my great goal for your daughter. My great goal for your daughter is that she would actually develop and grow and that volleyball would be a great place for her to recreate recreation. But volleyball would also be a great place for her to recreate who she is, that she would grow in character. She would grow in perseverance. She'd grow in development. And one of the great things about sports, one of the great things about theater is, is they are quick feedback loops. They're trial and error scenarios. Hey, wait, wait, you know, you'll be in a rehearsal. Stop, stop. You got that wrong right because you automatically give feedback because you're working toward a goal of excellence well so god thinks that same exact way we want god just to fix everything for us and god said no no i i want to grow you i want to grow you so the parable is jesus saying i want to grow you so you will pray and not give up and so so verse verse three verse two comes in he said in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared god nor cared about what people thought notice this i'm going to spiritualize those for a moment Let's make God the judge for a second. God does not fear you. And God does not care about what you think. And that's hard on people who've been taught all this. It's all about you. God loves you. And it's all just, you know, a you, 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 you. And it's all about you. No, it's all about God. And God does not, just like when your four-year-old demands that you should have, that he or she should have something, (laughs) the parent just like, yeah, I don't really care what you think. Right? You don't have enough experience. You don't have enough knowledge. You don't have enough understanding. Well, God comes in in this parable, and he says that. So verse 3, And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. Now, now one of the things that happens in the normal churn of human interaction is that we are people, there. we get on opposite sides of issues. We get on opposite sides of trouble, problems. There are things that go wrong. People are having car accidents in the Treasure Valley right now. And someone is at fault and someone is not at fault. And they're always debating who is. And there are situations where we just clank against each other. This woman had an issue of clanking. And that says, but finally, he, um, for, for some time, though, it says he refused. Verse four, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so she won't eventually come and attack me. Now, I, I want to take that parable to the next level for a second and notice the word is justice, okay? And okay. justice is a very important part of all of this because God does care about justice in the world, But one of the things that is the struggle in the human nature and human condition, and I'm going to play with words for a second, is instead of justice, we want just us. We want just for us. Justice, I-C-E, is justice for everyone. 
you know the old joke you know was my mom would say i'm gonna spank you all i know i'll get the right uh, i know i'll get the one I'll that deserved right it. one eventually yeah exactly i'll get the one that deserved <laughs> it right and and what i would suggest is, is is a picture here is justice is something that is meted out that actually seeks the best outcome for not just one not just us but for many okay and so one of the things that we have to put into this parable is the thought that God, here in this scenario, the judge, is thinking about the greater well-being of a community. I, I know that there are people that are people in our church that are in the legal profession, and there are justice things that get played out. And part of that is people want to call it politics, but sometimes the way that that gets de de debated and the way that it actually comes out into the community is that community has to now live with the outcomes of all of that. And justice for the whole community is an extremely important thing, and it's what a judge has to weigh. And that is a difficult thing to do. Mm. God comes into scenarios, and we we just, when we plead with God, we just want what we want, what we know what's right. Usually we always think we know what's right, and that's just us. We want justice for us. God looks at it and says, no, you're all my children. No, I care about all you. There's, there's a, it, this is something that goes on in Kosovo. And, and back, in, you may be too young when this history happened, but in the 90s, Jesse, you, know, you had the Kosovo War. And you had, okay. the, you had literally the disintegration of what was called the former Yugoslavia. And you had Serbia, Croatia, Bosnia, Herzegovina, yes. uh, 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 Kosovo, Macedonia, all these things, they, they all splintered out, okay? okay? And they all built their own little countries in, in that scenario. But this, that, but what people didn't realize was is that there were ethnicities behind each of those different. There are Serbs and there are Kosovoans, okay, and that and it was really a crossroads between the Muslim world, uh, the Muslim Arab world, and the Christian European world. It's right there on that little piece of island or that 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 land right between Turkey and uh, mainland Europe, okay? okay. And so you had this convergence of that. And so there are some real ethnic history, historical things. And even to this day, they'll talk about the issue that happened back in 66. Now, I was born in 1966. And they'll go, man, that's 57 years ago. They're talking about 1866. <laughs> okay. And there are a people that are back. talking about that as though it just happened yesterday. Why? Because there was a great injustice that was meted out, and they hate each other for that. When we want just us, what we do is we create perpetual problems among people. Justice is something that God looks for and says, look, how do I figure this out for all of us? A great illustration that we tend to know is an illustration from the Bible is what? The two women come to Solomon and they're disputing over the baby. And Solomon's wise answer is, I'll cut him in half and then I'll give you both half. And the true mom says, no, no, don't do that. Right. The non-true mom says, well, of course, just cut him in half, kill him. I don't care. He's not my baby. Right. And so he, he found out the just response, the justice, by sitting in the moment and listening to them. Okay. There's a lot of times when we are praying and seeking the face of God that God is working to change our heart about something because he's looking for a greater form of justice rather than just us. And I think that's an important part of the story. We'll talk about it a little bit more on the weekend uh, when we get into that. So, so, so go to that. Now, I, I want to make a very important point about this, this component. One of the things that we don't like is that God does not make the decisions on our time frame. Okay. That's another piece of this parable. She, have, she had to keep going back to him and back to him and back to him. 
And what happens is, is a lot of times we get unhappy with God because he doesn't answer in the time frame we want. We want justice and we want it now, right? And, and God doesn't do that. Now, why is it that God sometimes hold off, holds off for that? You know, the Supreme Court of the United States, they put out their, their, their uh, judgments and they usually land during the month of, of uh, June, but they have delayed them. And sometimes now, I think there was one that just came out a couple weeks ago in July, and people are constantly waiting for them to do it and they don't like it, that it's taking so long, et cetera. Uh, but one of the things that slower justice does, it allows for reasoned thought, it allows for elongated thought, and here's the part we all hate, Jesse, is, is that when justice takes a little bit of time, it outs who we really are. Yeah, because I think, especially I think these days, right? Like even back then they were a little more used to waiting for things. I mean, they've been waiting yeah. for a Messiah for who knew, you know, forever. Long, long yeah, centuries. But in a day like today, we're ready for instant gratification. I mean, I can't Amazon even wait should a day. deliver it tomorrow. Yeah, I can't even wait. When Amazon doesn't offer me one day shipping, I get frustrated. I'm like, who are you? What am I doing, right? Okay, so, here, so, so let's use that for an illustration. Is when God slows justice and he's moving it from just us to justice, one of the things he's doing in that process is he's outing that I am a generally frustrated, angry, bitter, unhappy person mm. when things don't go my way. Yes. And we Christians can do the exact same thing. We, we In politics, we almost sometimes think we get a pass from God. I'm going to get a little salty. We think we get a pass from God because they did that. Therefore, we can do this. And, and, and really? I mean, think, think, I think that one of the things that happens when we're waiting for justice is we get bitter, we give up, we complain, we grind, we demand, we hate, mm. we retaliate, we seek revenge, we take matters into our own hands. I think that's the one we are most prone to, right? Is we, we go, well, God's not moving fast enough or he's not doing do it, it, so I'm just going to figure it out and do it myself. Totally. Now, let's go back to the first verse. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Give up what? Give up their character. Mm. See, our character actually still counts, right? When we get into, this, into the pigsty with people that we're adversarial with, people watching just see us both as pigs. Right. And we lose our witness and we lose our testimony. There, there's a beautiful verse in Psalm 7, uh, 37. I want to read it to you guys for a second to hear how God looks at this. It says rest. Now, this is written by David. And what was going on with David? Think about this for David for a second. You were in the Valley of Elah with me this this year. I was standing I was in that blessed. valley. David slung the stones, hit Goliath in the head. He slayed the guy. And, and Saul said, I will make the whoever does this. He will get a great reward. Remember, David walked up and said, what's the reward? And his brother scolded him for it. Right. And he and, and OK, we're going to get a reward. Well, what happens the moment he does that? Saul becomes jealous of David and makes David his adversary. So when David's writing Psalm 37, he's writing from firsthand experience. This is a young boy who actually put his life on the line for the people of Israel and the name of God. And the guy that he did it for, who was scared to do it himself, now wants to take his life and is angry with him and is jealous of his life. So in Psalm 37, when David is waiting for God's justice to play out, here's what he says. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of the person who prospers in his way, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. Might be talking about Saul here. Okay, Cease from anger and forsake wrath. He's literally dis disciplining himself. He's saying, stop being angry about this. 
Stop being wrathful about this. We've done this before. That word for anger is combustion anger, and that is temper. So stop being tempered, right? Always angry. And then the second one is stop plotting out revenge. So first degree and second degree. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, one is 20 to 40 years. The other is 40 to life. Right. Now what he says, do not fret. It only leads to evil doing. That word for fret is do not fear. See, here's what happens. When justice slows down a little bit, we get afraid that they're going to get away with it. Mm. You know, I'll say it louder. We get afraid that they're going to get away with something. So what happens? When we fret, it only leads to evil doing. And then verse 9, for evildoers will be cut off. Remember this. David had the chance to kill Saul. His men said, kill him. And he said, I will not lay my hand on God's anointed. He was saying justice is more important than just us. And guys, this is counter-cultural, it's counterintuitive, and it sure doesn't satiate that revenge need in our souls. Because right. we think immediately, you know, where's your manager? You know, who do we need to talk to about this? And I don't know. I Look, I'm 57. I mean, earlier on in my life, I mean, I, I think I had a slow burn where I was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to stop getting so worked up about stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, there's a whole movement of called stoicism. And that notion is we take living that goes like this, you know, that we're on a Richter scale and it's just going up and down and up and down and up and down. If you can't, if you're only listening, you can't see my hands going up and down to what we do is we move more to a sine wave. You know what? We just take off the tops and the edges. We don't get so worked up over something. Absolutely. And, and look, we all can. How do we do that? But those who wait for the Lord, they will inherit the land. God says, I, I know what justice looks like. You're going to get your inheritance. You're going to get what's coming to you. That's the, that's the picture here. Justice delayed is not justice denied. Justice delayed is God takes his time to make sure that he's bringing out justice. But those who wait for the Lord, they will inherit the land. Yet for a little while, the wicked man will be no, and yet in a little while, the wicked man will be no more. And you will look carefully for his place and he will not be there. He's saying, be patient. Part of the goal of praying is learning to become patient with yourself and with God. And hear this. And with others. Mm. <laughs> others. I mean, now we're mad. I mean, that's salty, right? Who wants yeah. to hear that one? Uh, now, now, hear this. And But the humble will inherit the land. They will delight themselves in abundant prosperity. The wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at him. It's like, man, we're grinding our teeth and you know, grunting. And then look what verse 13 says. The Lord laughs at this wicked person, for he sees his day is coming. There are some big themes in this parable. One theme is that we would be patient. Another theme is we would look for justice, not just us. Another theme, uh, another theme is, is that we will trust God to appropriately mete out the justice, and it will come. The only thing our world really has to be able to kind of latch onto at that moment is this concept of karma. Oh, that's karma. You're going to get it. And the other side of karma is there's negative karma. It's kind of that, you know, there's you're karma. Gonna you're going to get it. The other side is pay it forward. Right. And pay it forward is, is I'm storing up karma. And, and I think we should understand that our good deeds done in righteousness are a beautiful, good thing. But, but the justice system of God is different than the just us. Because see, paying it forward really is saying, I deserve this in the future. There's a little bit of arrogance to that. Right. I paid it forward. I should get it back. Right. What if you pay it forward and someone else benefits and maybe you don't ever benefit from that? That can happen in the kingdom of God, and in that we build perseverance and we build character. Listen to uh, Romans chapter 5. 
we glory not only in our uh, in the hope of God. Verse three, we glory in the sufferings of our lives because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character and character produces hope. So there's a progression here of what God's doing, and that is he takes suffering, he mixes it in, and then he produces perseverance, which is a great character trait. And in that, then perseverance creates character. Character gives us a basis for hope. Now, I, I said something earlier, and I'm going to draw you back to it. I may have skipped over it too fast. Is we get When justice is slower coming than we want it to come, we begin to assail the character of God. It's not the character of God that's on trial when justice takes a little bit of time. It's the nature of God being revealed to us. The nature of God is that God is the God who is beyond space and time. I, I, go back to the first verses there, Jesse. We were talking about earlier in, in, in um, Grammy Justice Against My Adversary, verse 3, uh, and, and then it says, it didn't happen in the course of time. Well, that word in the Greek that's in there is the word chronos. There's this beautiful church in southern Germany. It's called the Wieskirche. And when you go to this church, it was a pilgrim's church on the way to, the, to Rome for, for German Catholics, all right? So they would stop there, they would pray, and uh, they would make offerings and stuff. And there were some beautiful frescoes in there. And there's this amazing fresco at the back of the Wieskirche. And if you look at the back of the Wieskirche, as you're walking out the door of a church, there's a picture of an old man laying on the step, on some steps, and there's the picture of the pearly gates. So there's a man who dies on the steps going up to the pearly gates. And you look at it and you go, well, that's an interesting picture for the last thing for church people to see on their way out of a church. Why is that? Well, because the fresco is a painting of the Greek god Kronos, who was the god of time. And when you go to Revelation, what it says, when God ushers in the, the, the eternity, it says, and time will be no more. Mm. What God is teaching us in this in this parable, one of the big parts of it is, is we are moving to an eternal view of life, not just a here and now view of life. And our world has, I think, st uh, structurally moved to a place where we want everything we want it right now. I mean, we've, uh, the last 10 years has sped everything up. Our little devices have sped everything up. Our one clicks, all those. I mean, the Internet has done all that. The velocity of life has moved forward very, very, very quick. The kingdom of God parable is very, very important. Again, start out with verse 1. He says, I'm teaching this parable so that you will not give up on praying and seeking God. Praying and seeking God is about changing me as much as bringing my requests before God. Requests, not demands. Mm. Okay? And then further to that, in that process, when God is doing that, you know that, that notion God softened my heart towards somebody? I think that's what comes out of this prayer, this parable is, is that when I begin praying for justice, not just us, what happens is like Shelly and I might get into a dispute about something or whatever, and I go and pray about it. One of the things that happens is God will move in my heart and change my heart, and he'll make me see it for the greater picture rather than just what I wanted. Mm. Okay? That is a, an important part of the walk, with, walk of faith with God. And anybody who's a parent out there, you recognize, too, that one of the hardest struggles our kids is that they squabble with each other because they only can think about themselves. 
the parent, the wise parent comes in and says, let me show you the greater picture of all of us. Shally put together this chant that the Friesens, you know, F-R-I-E-S-E-N, the Friesens, Friesens, yes, we can, right? That kind of thing. And the point of it, she was saying, and she would always say this, you guys are going to be best friends someday. We treat each other with the characteristic of that. We're going to look at the play it forward long view of life. Not just what we feel like right now. Think about how many family relationships are busted up because of something squabble that happened when they were 10, 12, 14 years mm -hmm. old, and they've never gotten past it. I mean, it just hurts our heart. We need this parable to move us from just us to justice. And sometimes, just like a really good meal, it takes a little bit of time to prepare and it means that we wait upon God for the outcome. The the final verse, verse eight, is a very is a, is a very significant one uh, because it relates to this. Is that God comes in and, and and finally says this? He says, "I tell you, he will see the judge will see that they get justice, and it will come quickly." However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Notice this. He says, "You guys are so worried about justice. It's going to happen." And then he comes to this greater point. And he looks at Christians and he says. When my son shows up, will any of you actually had faith and stayed with it and believed in me and didn't grind and bitter and complain and groan and moan? See, Philippians chapter 2 says we are called to be stars in the universe, not complaining, working out our salvation with fear and trembling, not complaining or grumbling as is the habit of the world around us. But you are to appear as shining stars in a world of darkness. How do we differentiate ourselves? We're not complainers. We're not groaners. We're not moaners. We're people that can allow the patience of God to enter into our lives, to persevere, and to trust that justice will come in our lives. It's a great parable. It's a great. And you know what's cool? This weekend, we're going to have family service, right? So you're going to have kids right. in the family service. And I would say to you as parents, if you're coming to this this weekend, you're in town or you're going to be watching online. I know we got the family camp out this, this weekend up in the, in the mountains. It's going to be a really great thing. The beach day is going to be fabulous, by the way, on Saturday. Uh, have your kids listen to this. We're going to have some keywords that they can, I mean, there are going to be some cool things at the church for them to look for. They're going to look for the word widow. They're going to look for the word prayer. Uh, they're going to look for the word patience. These are really great things that, that, that they're going to be looking for. And I will help you. The word, of, more importantly, the word of God is going to help you with your parenting because the, uh, these are great lessons for our kids. And for us, 33 and, and more than 33 kids, <laughs> we need to hear these as well. The, the, the word of God and this is beautiful. I, I, I want to make one little last point. Sure. I, I, uh, the scripture says that we train ourselves and discipline ourselves so we understand the way of God and the work of God. And, and, and the verse for that is in, found in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14. And Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14 uh, has this is, uh, is one, of, one of my favorite verses. I mean, I've been, been laying into it for the last year or so, especially in my men's small groups. And that is this, but solid food is for the mature who, because of constant use, have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. One of the things about justice is that justice's goal is not just to figure out right and wrong, it's to discern good and evil. Right. And a judge has to take into account those kinds of things because they want to rehabilitate someone in the system and all this kind. Of, and there's a lot of things a judge is thinking about with all that stuff. Now, let's go back to the verse who by constant use have trained themselves. In 1999, I stopped wearing a watch. 
And one of the reasons why I stopped wearing a watch, I love watches. I mean, I enjoy, I had a great watch. I stopped wearing a watch is because my dad died in 1999 at 62 years old. And what, what I realized in, in, in 1999 at 33 years old, because I was 33 years old then, was time does not operate in God's economy the same way it does in mine. Mm. Why do I keep trying to tell God, hey, get on with it? And I know it's a silly thing, but it's a discipline of my life to try to look at, uh, to, to not try to make God do things exactly when I want it to happen. One of the hardest things to do in our economy is to time out the, 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 the Wall Street and the, and the market. Mm. Those people who are timing investors, they are so on the edge of everything because they're constantly looking for that one little thing that sets off the timing. And if your timing is perfect, it's fabulous. But if your timing is off, it can be devastating. Justice and just us has the same kind of thing going on. God's timing is perfect. He wants us to not give up on prayer because he wants us to get in line with the timing that he asked for things. And he says, I will bring justice. He's not saying we ought to go nag him. What he's saying is, may we continue to seek his face and may he continue to change our hearts. That's the thrust of this prayer. We'll get into it more this weekend. I know that Pastor Doug's too. I mean, on Thursday, we'll talk about yeah, it too. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Pastor Harvey. I really yeah. appreciate your um, insight on this parable because I do think that we're, a lot of people, including myself, when we very first read this, don't in understand it the way it's meant to be understood. And I think that's so important to have clarity. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. Thank you for uh, joining us each and every week for Tuesday and Thursday. Just a reminder, we are moving everything to the new Salty Pastor YouTube channel for the Salty Pastor podcast. So if you've not subscribed, this is the last week to do it before it goes exclusively to that side and it won't be on both channels anymore. So you're going to want to make sure you are subscribed if you don't want to miss out on the next episode of the Salty Pastor podcast next week. Thank you guys so much for joining us and we'll see you on Thursday here with Pastor Doug.